Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. And uh, just a note to uh, Aaron, can you check the... uh the the uh, audio feed that's coming to me here i'm getting some feedback very good okay we got that fixed right away we didn't want any distractions as we launch into this program father james gross coming to you from the diocese of fargo here in our grand fork studios and today i am batting solo uh, my usual wingman father jason leffer is enjoying some well-deserved days off of rest and recreation so wherever you happen to be father leffer know that uh, we're thinking about you and we look forward to having you back uh in the saddle the next time that we have the honor of hosting the program here from Grand Forks. Um, Today happens to be the Memorial of St. Benedict, and we'll be spending several segments talking about him and and the particular influence that he has uh, in the Upper Midwest. I wanted to start things off with a prayer from the Magnificat devotional for this day, and I invite you to join me in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, you called St. Benedict into the wilderness to dwell with you in solitude, and into the heart of a community to dwell with you in service to others. Through his intercession, lead us by your word to hear and heed your will for us this day and every day. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Saints Benedict and Scholastica, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to be sure to mention St. Scholastica as well, in addition to St. Benedict, uh, his sister, who was a foundress of the women's religious communities, uh, many of which, again, uh, serve uh, uh, the Catholics and and, uh, people throughout our listening area. So we'll be visiting a little bit more about uh, the role of St. Benedict in the church, locally especially, during the course of the show. And there are a lot of other things coming up that we want to let you know about right away. And so we'll turn things over to Aaron down at Command Central. Well, thank you very much, Father. It's a pleasure to be here in this day of St. Benedict. We do have Brother Michael Taffy coming on the line to talk about what it means to be a Benedict and, and the Benedictine way of life. He's with Assumption Abbey, and we look forward to his interview. We'll also have Father Gross here for our straight talk. Get those questions ready. Get ready to stump the priest. We've also got Bishop Robert Gross from the Diocese of Rapid City talking about his final thoughts and words as he's moving on to a new diocese. We've also got Jerome Richter talking about why St. Benedict is so uh, so instrumental for our students. And we'll get an update from Angela Wambach on the first choice or formerly first choice clinic, the Women's Care Center, to talk about the good things that are happening there. 
all this here on Real Presence Live. Right back to you, Father. Okay, thank you very much, Aaron. And so let's dive right into things by talking to a real live member of a Benedictine order as we have Brother Michael Taffy with us from Assumption Abbey in Richardson, North Dakota. Brother Michael, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you, Father Gross. Good morning. It is great to have you with us, and I have a real personal affinity with your community since there are some connections. Your dear brother, Brother Placid Gross, That's is a distant right. relative I of mine. I wondered if he was, yeah, well, most everyone in North Dakota is at least a distant relative of his. Well, yes, indeed. It's a far wide-reaching uh, family tree there. Mm-hmm. And also, um, your former abbot, uh, Father Ooh, Brian abbot Wengler, Brian. Yeah. was a uh, cousin of my mom's, a uh, first cousin of my oh, mom's, okay. so okay. from that uh, fertile vocation ground of Napoleon and Logan County, so... Uh, uh, I also had numerous relatives uh, of my parents' age, who uh, a gentleman who attended high school uh, there back in the uh, oh, 40s sure. and 50s and sure, 60s. Sure. So, um, well, let's hear a little bit about you, first of all. Can you give us a little bit of background in terms of um, how long you've been with the community and, and how it was that you decided to follow this vocation? Sure, exactly. Well, I've been here about 20 years right now. Um, and what, and I guess some of the language is things that I learned after I got here. In many ways, um, like all of us, we have that God sized hole. And what fills that? You know, are it, is it your spouse? Is it your children? Is it something else? And I was getting my PhD, and as I was getting closer, that hole was getting bigger, and God was sending me to, to some places and just giving me the opportunity to think about. Well, how did I want to live my life? How what what did he create me for? Um, and that's how I ended up here at Assumption Abbey. Okay, and uh, you said it's been about uh, twenty years or so exactly. since you you first had joined. Um, exactly. Tell us a little bit about the typical day, like a, a day in the life of a member of your abbey who is in residence there. We know that there are a number of uh, guys who are uh, working in um, various assignments outside exactly. of the abbey. But yes. uh, for those of you for those of you who are there, um, there's really, I think, a priority with the Benedictine spirituality to the stability of the rhythm of each day. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, exactly. And part of it is, Within the one of our mottos is Ora et Labora, which is prayer and work. And so Benedict really has his ideal was to have a very balanced life. Um, I mean, I wish I could sit and pray on my knees for ten hours a day in a row, um, but I can't do that yet. I'm working on it. So <laughs> Benedict knows that we need to have times of prayer, and then we also need to have times of work and times of service and interacting with others, and also to have a time of leisure. Mm-hmm. So our, the first thing that we do in the morning is pray. You know, and that could, again, as I tell people, that's not just monks, everyone. That should be the first thing that they do. Um, just a quick aside, I was at a conference, and the person, the gentleman who was speaking said, well, what's the first thing that you do in the morning? You get on the phone and the Internet, and you see what's happening in the world. And it was like, well, no, that's not what we do. But the first <laughs> thing that we do is that we pray. And again, our prayer life is centered upon the Psalms. So we gather four times a day for the Divine Office, and then another time, one time for Mass every day. So our first prayers at 620, we have breakfast, and this is all inside our breakfast in silence, and we have time for what we call Lectio Divina, which is a slow, prayerful, 
pondering in prayer of the Gospels, of some spiritual reading, something to, to bring us closer to that encounter with Christ, but also to be able to listen to Christ and say, and, and as he may, is speaking to us and saying, this is how you can serve me. Mm-hmm. Um, so at 8 o'clock, then we work, whatever that might be, um, to, to keep our place going and, and earn money and things. Um, at 11.30, we have what's called noon prayer. So we take, really, our prayer is um, interrupted by work throughout the day. So at 11.40, we have noon prayer, followed by lunch, which is speaking. And then from 1 to 4.30, we work again. At 5 o'clock, we have mass, and that's followed by supper. Um, during the, not in the summer, but otherwise we have reading at supper. Um, and then we have what's called recreation time, and that's really our family time. Like, I mean, one of the problems with families now is everyone's so busy, no one has time to kind of just sit around and visit without other distractions. So in our schedule, I mean, for centuries, we have this time built where we get together as community. That's followed by Vespers, which is Latin for evening, um, that, our evening prayer. Um, we have another half hour for Lexio, and then at 8.10, we have Compline, and that's kind of the closing of the day, our final prayer. And then following that, we have kind of a, a period for about an hour of sort of silence. You can look at the news or whatever, but then at 10 o'clock is our grand silence, where we make sure all the um, computers or TVs or whatever are all turned off at that point. And again, part of that, having our the idea of, of a fair amount of silence in our life is, again, the ultimate reason is so that we're able to hear Jesus more clearly in terms of what he might be asking us to do. Indeed, and as you had said, that's something that's important for all of us, whether one lives as a consecrated religious or otherwise. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we do have oblates, which are people, lay people, who try to live the rule of Benedict as their life permits with their families and whatnot, but in integrating that prayer time, that quiet, that silence time, and also that family community time that's so important. Mm-hmm. Now, with the Benedictines in the United States, I guess I'm, I am aware of the fact that there are a couple of arch abbeys, uh, right. that there's one in uh, Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and one in mm-hmm. southern Indiana, St. Minerid. Right. Which one right. of those is your congregation affiliated with? We are, well, we're kind of a weird situation in that we started off with um, the Swiss American, which is the St. Minerid Arch Abbey. That's where our founder, Bishop Worley, came Well. Um, he came out as Vincent Worley and yes. then Abbot Worley and Bishop Worley. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so he was from that community. And then when he built this abbey, and then in the 20s when we had to go bankrupt, um, we were helped back by the American Cassanese Congregation, which is um, centered in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Okay, so So yes. we, in a weird way, we have our feet in both camps. Mm-hmm. And your uh, your, um, uh, your your history in terms of that location in Richerton goes back uh, over a century already. Exactly. Um, with exactly. Uh, you know that that prominent uh, twin spired uh, parish church right off of Interstate ninety four. You guys are just uh, 
80 miles to the west of uh, the Bismarck Mandan area. And uh, exactly. we, we should also mention the uh, the women uh, religious order that's just a couple of miles down the road from you there at Assumption Avenue. Right, that's Sacred Heart Monastery. So there are three Benedictine communities. There are cell, ourselves and then the two women's communities, Annunciation in Bismarck and Sacred right. Heart Monastery in Richardson. All, all part of that uh, that rich fabric of the Benedictine presence. Right, that's been, and we're uh, also Benedictines are kind of unique, and I mean, we kind of say we're the first religious order, but each monastery is kind of an order within itself. We're part of a congregation, but mm-hmm. we're basically independent. I mean, we okay. follow our customary in the Vatican and and everything like that, but we are independent as opposed to say some of the Franciscan or Jesuit or Dominican orders that they have more of a province. So, but each monastery is kind of an order within itself. Right. And for those who are just tuning in here to Real Presence Live, Father James Gross uh, hosting here today, and we have Brother Michael Taffy with us from the um, Art, uh, from the Assumption Abbey, uh, the Benedictine uh, group in Whit- Richerton, North Dakota. Also, as we're looking ahead later in the hour, we will be having our straight talk uh, section our straight talk segment, I should say, and the number to call is 877-795-0122 for any questions that you may have for that segment, as well as uh, leaving on social media any particular questions that you have uh, for me to answer today. Um, in addition to the work that you do there in Richerton, there is a community that is, I guess you might call it, affiliated with you down in South America. Could you tell right. us just a little bit about right. them? Right. Well, in 1960, um, our abbot met with the cardinal in Rochester, um, and Pope Paul VI wanted um, American community to send 10% of their members down to South America. So we went down to South America to start a bilingual school that is still going. Um, and so we do have a community that is aligned with us that are Colombian monks now. The prior was just up here a couple weeks ago on Myself and Father Valerian will be going down at the end of August. Um, mm. But that community is thriving and just has a great impact on, on the country, really. I mean, some of the former alumni have been presidents and vice presidents and cabinet secretaries, et cetera, down there. So. All right. And uh, as we look at the the nature and the... Uh, the, the characteristics of uh, Benedictine monasteries, one thinks particularly of the emphasis and the rule of St. Benedict uh, toward hospitality, that right. uh, all guests are to be received as Christ. And so uh, tell us a little bit about um, some of the traffic. I'm sure that with your um, proximity to Interstate 94, you're getting some summer visitors, maybe some people who have only been there for the very first time kind of dropping by, and and uh, there there's a whole ministry in, its, in and of itself. I would imagine, uh, for the people who come by and and visit you. Exactly. Well, many of the Benedictines in this country, um, we came out as as educators, either high schools or colleges for the men. Um, And so we, our schools, have been gone for 40 years now. Um, But one of the things that we really want to do, one of our, I think, our calling and our purpose that Christ gives us is to have a place of peace, have a place of quiet, have a place where you can leave your phones and iPads and things in your car, come into the church, have listen to God, feel the presence of God around you, walk on our grounds um, in the quiet 
of that and just, you know, with your family, have a conversation. So one of the things we want to do that we that's very important for us is to really make Assumption Abbey and our grounds a place of peace, um, a place for people to have the opportunity to connect or reconnect with God. Um, there's, as you know, there's so much going on in the world, um, social media and radios and, and all kinds of things, many of them very good, but we also, I think, really need the time to put that away, because otherwise we're not really going to be able to listen. Exactly. And uh, there are a lot of people who uh, take advantage of the uh, opportunities that you give for quiet Mm -hmm. and rest and Mm -hmm. reflection, particularly, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, many of the diocesan priests there in the Diocese of Bismarck who use your facility for retreats uh, throughout the year. Right. And uh, one last thing I want to mention. Go ahead, please. the, The deacons for the Bismarck Diocese also do their monthly formation here. Exactly. Yes, the uh, uh, permanent deacons. Um, one more thing that I wanted to just bring up before we uh, have to let you go here. Uh, I noticed that there is a new member who became a novice there right. recently. Right. Uh, right. Can you tell us a little bit about him? You betcha. And we want to thank Fargo. Um, Stephen Johnson um, okay. is a native of, well, didn't wasn't born there, but grew up in Fargo. Um, went to NDSU, did some good discernment. He was a candidate here for six months um, for him both to listen to Christ, is this how he's called, and um, for us to listen to God and say, is he called here? And so on Tuesday, he was admitted into the novitiate. So he will be a novice for a year and a day. So, you know, all goes well. Next year today, he will be making first vows. And then all men who make those first vows for three years are in temporary vows, and then at that point, they make a solemn profession. So our brother Simeon from Minot made solemn profession uh, last month. Excellent. What what an encouraging thing to see in your community, and we are very privileged to be able to join with you in prayer uh, in the the work that you are doing. So, Brother Michael, thank you so much for being with us today, and we look forward to possibly visiting with you again sometime soon. Okay, Father Gross, Gross, thank you so much. Have a beautiful, blessed day. And the same to you. Thank you, Brother. So coming up next... We want to call it, we want you to call in to ask your questions on matters of the faith or anything you have on your heart during straight talk. And we will look forward later on to honoring our spiritual fathers during our new Honor Our Fathers segment. Father James Gross joining you today for Real Presence Live. Stay with us. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. The only things hotter than the summer heat are the rates to run radio spots on the RPR network. That's not all. The signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio, and I want to help you grow your business in front of a very faithful customer base. Don't wait. Call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. 
One very important parish will receive special treatment at the 2020 Built Upon a Rock Fest, including catered lunch on the concert day, meet and greet with the bands, and a special preview performance. Built Upon a Rock Fest is grateful for parish support and wants to give back. All sponsoring parishes will be entered into a drawing, and the VIP will be drawn on stage at the concert on September 14th. For details, check out builtuponarockfest.com. builtuponarockfest.com. Taking what you experience on Sunday in church and applying it during the week at work can be a challenge. This year's Faith and Business Conference is for business owners, managers, and those that seek to integrate their faith into the workplace. This year's conference features world-renowned speakers that will help you take faith principles and turn them into business practices. Learn how to take your Sunday into Monday on Thursday, August 8th at the Ramcota Hotel in Sioux Falls from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. For more information and tickets, go to faithandbusinessconference.com. Real Presence Live is now coming to you five days a week, bringing you new hosts, new locations, and brand new segments, including Heart of Your Legacy, where, as the name suggests, we get at the heart of giving and how you can leave a lasting legacy, and Honor Our Fathers, where you send us the names of your favorite priests, and we offer special recognition and a dozen donuts to one each week. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live, weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. This is Real Presence Live, where the devil is dumb, Christ is king, and the Catholic faith is taking the place of secular living as the lifestyle of choice. Thank you very much, and thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Live. Father James Gross joining you from the Diocese of Fargo. And it's time now for one of our special new segments, which we are calling Prayerfully Yours. From time to time, I know when I host, I like to mention our website and the opportunity to offer prayer requests so that as a community, we can remember people in our prayers. And this is a way for us to firm that up. Almost every day, we receive prayer requests asking for prayers for those closest to us who are suffering with illness. Maybe they have lost a job, are traveling, having troubles in their marriage, and who are just trying to discern the Lord's will. And yes, who are rejoicing in the goodness of the Lord in their lives. So it can be both petitionary requests and uh, words of praise and acknowledgement of what God is doing. So we hold these needs close in prayer here at Real Presence Radio. And now each time that there is one of us priests hosting the Real Presence Live program, we'll share a few of these prayer requests in this prayerfully yours segment. We invite all of you who are listening, wherever you are, whatever you happen to be doing, to join me for a couple of minutes in a prayer specifically for these intentions. And so here are the intentions that we are mentioning today. First of all, for Wendy and her husband, that they may be strengthened and encouraged in their marriage. We pray, O God, for peace and a rekindling of the graces of the sacrament of holy matrimony for Wendy and her husband, and for all of those who find themselves requesting those same graces. We, pray, we ask the Holy Family to uh, enshroud and protect them, and especially with the uh, newly declared feast day, which we celebrate tomorrow, of Saints Louis and Zelie Martin, the parents of St. Therese of Lisieux. May they also intercede powerfully for Wendy and for her husband. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray for the health of Michelle and for her family. God, we ask for your graces to be poured out as we see so often in the Gospels that all who expressed faith in you 
and reached out for your healing were satisfied that they received healing in body in mind and in spirit that that same power may be unleashed for all of us today especially we hold up to you in prayer michelle and her family and all of those who find themselves in a similar position especially with uh, serious and terminal illnesses that you may bring them the healing and peace that you wish for them to have we storm the gates of heaven with these prayers asking for the intercession of our blessed virgin mary and saint joseph and all the saints amen we also pray for sandra that she may find a new job and overcome her obsessive compulsive disorder oh god you have created us to serve you in love and oftentimes we carry heavy crosses of psychological burdens we ask you to free us from those bonds to bring us uh, true healing so that we can we may be able to see your love for us as it truly is all of those who are dealing with any form of mental health conditions especially sandra and our loved ones we commend especially saint dimphna the uh, patroness of those with mental health conditions and disorders to intercede powerfully before your throne and to bring healing we ask this through christ our lord amen lastly we have an uh, a request anonymous from a family as they discern what the next step is on god's path for them gracious god we recognize that families are a part of your plan that they are not just something random or coincidental but that they are the means to understanding the communion of the persons of the trinity and to grow in a deeper love and respect for you and for one another we pray for this family who has asked us as a community at real presence radio to remember them in prayer that they may receive the consolation and uh, be and have the gifts of the holy spirit stirred up in their hearts especially the gift of fortitude that they may be able to wisely see the direction that god is preparing for them and to be united with him in whatever hardships may occur so that they may never be separated from him and so we present these and all of the prayers that we have presented here in this segment of prayerfully yours through christ our lord amen well, I thank you for taking the time to pray with us for these Real Presence Radio family members and their needs. If you have a specific intention you would like prayed for, please visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, and submit it under prayer requests at the top of the page. You can also submit an intention on our app. Simply click on prayer requests on the main screen. And uh, make sure to remember to visit that website to join with us in the prayer requests that are posted there. So we'll be stepping aside for just a moment, and then when we come back, uh, get ready with those questions for Straight Talk, 877-795-0122. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network.
Things hotter than the summer heat are the rates to run radio spots on the RPR network. That's not all. The signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio, and I want to help you grow your business in front of a very faithful customer base. Don't wait. Call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross joining you from the Diocese of Fargo today from our uh, offices and and studio here in the uh, beautiful near Southside Historic District in downtown Grand Forks on what is a, a sunny and bright summer's day. Lots of our listening area have received uh, abundant rains. Hopefully we didn't have too much damage. Uh, there were some spotty reports of uh, wind and hail, but uh, hopefully uh, we were able to give our crops a good drink of water and our pastures and hay fields so that uh, summer is continuing to plug along as we remember all of those involved in agriculture, especially those who may be tuning in to us as they're in their tractors and trucks and and uh, helping to feed a hungry world. So we thank you very much for that. We'll be doing our Straight Talk segment in just a moment. Before we get to that, I wanted to mention briefly some additional details about the life of St. Benedict and uh, the ministries that are involved with them. There had been consecrated religious in different parts of the world prior to the time of St. Benedict in the earliest centuries of the Church. Uh, They were mostly... Uh, in the East, and to a degree, uh, a solitary pursuit. One thinks of St. Anthony in the desert and his hermitical lifestyle in Egypt. Well, what St. Benedict was able to do is a revolutionary move in the Church, especially in the West, was to bring about uh, a following that would uh, form a community of people working together, living together, praying together uh, with a certain stability in a location. And for centuries thereafter, that's been a pattern of Benedictine life. Now, there have been additional religious orders uh, that uh, had a slightly different viewpoint. Uh, One thinks of the Dominicans and the Franciscans, where they were what we call mendicant orders, where they would roam uh, much in the pattern of Jesus and his apostles during his public ministry, and they would go from place to place. The Benedictines uh, establish a place, but then go out from there to assist wherever help is needed. With Assumption Abbey, one thinks of their members who help at the University of Mary, with uh, chaplaincy at St. Alexius Hospital in Bismarck, various other apostolates. But Assumption Abbey is really a gem in uh, Richardson, North Dakota. Please drop by if you've never been there before. And that sound means that it is time for Straight Talk here on Real Presence Live. 877-795-0122 is the number to call. You can also log in on our uh, Facebook 
Facebook passage, uh, a Facebook page, I should say, uh, and uh, leave a question there. And I see one that has been posted right away on our Facebook page from Delane. Uh, she says, I've been sickly for years. I've had a blessing for this that has also been years ago. Should I get blessed again? I'm assuming that the reference being made there is anointing of the sick. And I guess the short answer that I would give to that question is certainly. Um, what I tell my parishioners is that on one hand, we don't want anointing of the sick to be received in a um, overly scrupulous or um, superstitious way as if you are just kind of punching a time card and okay it's time for me to be anointed so the, cir- the circumstances that I recommend to people is if they are of an advanced age if they have a chronic serious medical condition or if they are preparing for some surgery or major medical procedure Obviously, those are times to request anointing of the sick, which is the sacrament that embodies in a specific way that beautiful blessing that Jesus imparts to people in the Gospels, who, as I mentioned during our prayerfully yours segment just a couple of minutes ago, would uh, express their faith in him that he could remove their maladies and their illnesses. And so we impart those graces, asking God to pour out his gifts, spiritual to be sure, but also so if he grants it physical gifts as well. The title that had been given to anointing of the sick uh, in the Middle Ages of extreme unction um, can be confusing because some people interpreted the word extreme as, boy, I have to be on my deathbed or right at death's door before I can even consider being anointed. That's not true. Um, the extreme refers to the seriousness of one's condition, unctio in extremis, you might say, the Latin phrase, an anointing in a case of extremity. If somebody has some serious uh, um, uh, illness that they are looking to receive uh, receive healing from and and relief from uh, it definitely is appropriate to ask for the sacrament of anointing and in fact I can attest to having anointed people uh, several times in the final days or weeks of their life uh, just because of the seriousness of their illness and as a way to accompany them pastorally so we're looking for a balance where we're not just reserving it until some uh, divined moment you might say toward the end of one's life where you can determine okay this is right about toward the end but we don't want to uh, we don't want to distribute the sacrament if there isn't a, a serious legitimate need for it. Uh, so I would say uh, for, for Delane or for anyone else in, in their case, definitely request uh, anointing of the sick. And I know I, in my parish, try to, uh, at least a couple of times a year, have a communal anointing of some sort uh, immediately after weekend masses, something like that, so that people may feel a little bit more at ease and aren't thinking, well, I, you know, I know I could use this, but do I really need to, uh, to, to contact uh, you know, the, the priest directly so that there is a little bit more availability of the sacrament? 
So we thank you, Delane, for that question. And the number here is 877-795-0122. We look forward to hearing from you in this Straight Talk segment. It's a lot more fun if you're hearing other voices besides my own. So we look forward to your calling in. In the meantime, I want to explain a little bit about the Benedictine Medal. You may have seen there is a circular medal that uh, Benedictines uh, strike and uh, wear. On the front of the medal is uh, an image of St. Benedict holding a cross, and uh, there are various uh, various words that are uh, printed, or letters that uh, represent a phrase. On the front, uh, around the outside of the medal, uh, CSSML, NDSMD, uh, of Latin words which are translated, May the Holy Cross be my light, may the dragon never be my overlord. The letters CSPB mean Crux Sancti Patris Benedicti, the cross of our Holy Father Benedict. And there is on the back of the medal, surrounding the cross, that is placed on that, um, a, num- a series of letters which refer to a phrase in Latin which uh, translates as, Begone, Satan, never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. So that medal has a certain exorcism, you might say, in, in a minor sense, uh, an and exorcismic quality to it. Uh, with that beginning of that phrase, Vade retro satana. In other words, step back, Satan, or uh, be gone, uh, be out of my presence. There are a couple of miraculous events that happen in the life of St. Benedict. Someone in an attempt to assassinate him poisoned the wine to be used for consecration at Mass. And during the Eucharistic prayer, the chalice cracked, the poisoned uh, precious blood spilled out so that it could not be consumed. So in Christian artwork, if you see a cracked chalice accompanying St. Benedict, that's the reference you see there. Also, a raven is often portrayed along with St. Benedict. Benedict, as one of these birds uh, swooped down and took a morsel of bread away from him, which had been poisoned, so that he could not eat it and uh, suffer the, the effects of it. So there are various stories of those uh, about uh, the intercessory power that uh, Benedict has for us. Also, um, keep in mind that uh, there are some reform movements Uh, not reform in the sense of the Benedictines got it wrong and we need to correct something, but offshoots, branches of the tree of uh, the Benedictine uh, tradition and the Catholic Church in terms of the Cistercians. Uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux is really a leader of that group. And the Trappists. The Trappist monks are the order of Cistercians of the strict observance. Uh, These are the men who... Uh, preserve silence for a great majority of their time each day, uh, who uh, are cloistered and work in apostolates within their community rather than to go out. And uh, Trappist monasteries have a particular interest, uh, uh, they they have a particular uh, impact, I guess I I should say, in the life of the church in the United States. You think of the uh, Gethsemane Abbey in Kentucky, where uh, Thomas Merton had been a member, and uh, various other examples, places of deep uh, spiritual commitment, um, sol- solitude, tranquility, that uh, those Trappist monasteries provide. A, it's, a, it's a particular call. It's, it's not for anybody. And uh, 
not to say that these guys are sort of the uh, the Navy SEALs of the uh, armed forces as far as the um, uh, religious life goes, but it is just another expression and one to which there are numerous men who feel themselves called. And so that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, one thing I wanted to just talk about here, we are in um, the mid-season section. This is not necessarily a religious topic, but uh, of Major League Baseball. The All-Star Game took place a couple of days ago. We're about halfway through, or at least traditionally halfway through the season. For those in our locality who are long-suffering Twins fans, there is uh, a hope that is springing forward as they hold a pretty sizable lead in their division over the Cleveland Indians. So, just to ask you, what do you think? Can Minnesota hang on to win the division? Uh, What do they need to do, especially with free agency before the end of July? Do they need any additional pieces to help themselves? Uh, If they do make any moves, my suggestion would be to look at relief pitching, uh, because I don't know if we can expect that the Twins are going to continue to win most of their games by scoring 8 or 10 runs a game. Uh, We need to be able to trust them to win the 2-1 to game against the likes of Houston or Cleveland. Cleveland. And then there is always the uh, arch nemeses, uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox. They seem almost like uh, Thanos from the Avengers, that they are inevitable, that they're going to be there in the playoffs. And they seem to be, to borrow another superhero analogy, the kryptonite for Minnesota. So how can we, if it comes to that point, how can we continue to compete and compete well against those various teams? Um, I'm really going to be interested to see how that goes. I'm I'm not one who is uh, watching baseball very much, but I do try to keep up most every day with the standings to figure out who's playing whom, whether the Twins have won or lost. Actually, they're one of my two teams. I also have a favorite National League team, the San Diego Padres. Uh, Not only because of the name. uh, Don't consider me a bandwagon jumper. I've been for numerous reasons that um, I don't have time to get into now a a fan of uh, San Diego sports teams, even the Chargers in the NFL as they've moved to Los Angeles. So we'll see what happens. It's a a hopeful time for Twins fans. It's been since 1991 that they've last appeared in a World Series, and they won that one in seven games. Uh, They don't have the Metrodome with its enormous noise, but they have a beautiful park, an outdoor park, in the uh, west side of Minneapolis in the Warehouse District, Target Field. If you get a chance to go there, I definitely recommend it, and especially during a yearly like this where the balls seem to be sailing out of the park and uh, the guys are hitting a lot of home runs. The Twins are on a record-setting pace for home runs this season. So hopefully we can see more of that coming up uh, in the uh, in the future. And I believe that we have a, a question that a listener has left to us. And uh, this is a very important topic that is being brought up here. Um, when it comes to movies... Is there a line between what is acceptable to intake versus what is not? For example, when there are blasphemies in a movie, is there an acceptable number in a movie for still being able to view the movie, or is one too many? How do we make the judgment on this in terms of being a faithful Catholic? Does it differ for different people with where they are in their faith journey? The first thing I want to say about this is that I personally am really disappointed in Hollywood when it comes to this because there are certain aspects of the industry that are concerned with pushing the envelope just for its own sake or as a way of 
getting um, uh, attention. For example, there are movies that, uh, you know, have a PG or a PG-13 rating, but uh, are very uh, aggressively taking the name of the Lord in vain. And that is a wound every time I hear something like that, a wound that just registers deep within my heart. You know, when someone takes uh, the name of the Lord Jesus in vain, I feel like saying immediately, blessed be the name of Jesus now and forever as a way of revolting against that. And even on cable television, when they are broadcasting movies, they are not um, silencing or bleeping those blasphemies like they used to 10 and 20 years ago. And that's a real problem. Um, I want to especially take uh, to task some of these... uh, uh, for um, these uh, pay-per-view services, uh, HBO and Showtime. And it seems like if they really had a trust of the integrity of their material, they wouldn't have to rely on the easy crutch of vulgarity, uh, whether it be in uh, sexual contact, conduct or in language, in order to make their product stand up for itself. I, I think that's really a sellout. It, it's an easy way out. It's sort of a way for them to say, well, we are doing our, our own thing, and we are using artistic license, various things like that. Um, I guess what I would say, generally speaking, is be very careful. It is really, really rare that an R-rated movie uh, deserves our attention, uh, despite that rating. Uh, there have been a couple of uh, couple of instances where that happened, where um, somewhat absurdly the movie Unplanned had a, uh, an R rating, at least according to some of us. And you think about the Passion of the Christ that uh, came out back in 2004. Um, so when it comes to something like that, please do be very careful. Now. I don't hold I don't know a whole lot about the details of this service but I remember hearing about something called Vid Angel V I D A N G E L a service that provides movies with a um, limited amount of censorship in order to remove some of those troubling things so you can get the gist of the story and whatever other creative artistic materials would be present in that film while at the same time not having to subject oneself to the um, the gratuitous uh, vulgarity and the, and the sinful elements that exist in it. It'd be interesting to hear what Bishop Robert Barron would have to say about this because he, I know, has um, often been um, recording Word on Fire segments and placing them on YouTube when there are influential movies um, that uh, have come out and some of them in my opinion were you know just plain garbage things that I wouldn't even you know I, I you'd have to pay me to go to see and even then I don't know if I would do that anywhere any in any um in any event either uh, my production assistant Aaron uh, is also telling me that decentfilms.com is a very good resource and I believe Deacon Stephen Gradanus is the one who heads that up with regard to reviews and and uh, uh, discerning those decisions with regard to watching movies um, uh, he is a uh, frequent columnist for National Catholic Register that uh, resource that EWTN runs uh, you may see that newspaper made available in uh, your parishes and in other places as well. NCregister.com, something that I very highly recommend. Um, so when it comes to movies and entertainment, you know, there are a lot of things that I like to see. 
with regard to escapism, you know, popcorn movies, the, the, the superhero things of the DC Marvel Comics universe, various things like that. But, uh, when it comes to the, 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 the rated R, the, the limited consumption, the, the raunchy stuff, it's for me just not worth it. Just not worth it. And if there were uh, a significantly increasing number of people who would get that message across, that we would receive content that would be worthy of our status and our dignity as Christians and something that we would would well demand. Now, you know, maybe I'm like uh, being Don Quixote, uh, tilting at windmills as I'm saying this, but I think that there are a lot of people who have the same, same approach as far as that goes. Another uh, event as we are looking forward to continuing on with our Straight Talk segment, 877-795-0122 is the number. Um, the Women's World Cup took place in soccer. Uh, it was hosted by France, and it took place over about a month's time, with the final match taking place this past Sunday. The U.S. Women's National Team won their second straight victory. It was pretty interesting to see the the means by which they were playing through there was some controversy with the blowout win a 13 to nothing victory against thailand and with the ways that some of the uh the the ladies were behaving after scoring goals that it was perhaps less than sportsmanly um i sportsmanlike i can definitely relate to what they were saying there without getting into some of the uh, the you know the political baggage that's happening in terms of various individual members of the soccer team just had a couple of uh, um, uh, observations of this uh, victory. Although the U.S. team won all the games in what they call the knockout stage, the single elimination in regulation, definitely the the uh, competition was was uh, was stiff. Um, and I thought that uh, Spain's team. Uh, sort of got the short end of the stick. I'm not going to say that they were, you know, that they were hosed or victimized, but we beat Spain two to one because we had two penalty kicks, uh, because of, uh, fouls within, within the box. And were it not for those two penalty kicks, uh, we were in big trouble. So I really want to give props to the uh, Spanish national team. I think they would have been as deserving of winning that championship as anybody else. Uh, one player in particular I really get, uh, I, I really had a lot of admiration for was Alex Morgan. She really had been for the last several years a face of women's soccer, a uh, very, very talented player just to turn 30 years old. She, it seemed to me, seemed to spend half the time lying on the grass and writhing in agony. And I don't think that these were um, embellishments in terms of, you know, somebody scratched me and now I have to fall down to the, on, onto the pitch or anything like that. These women, <laughs> they're tough. They have to be tough in order to play on that level. Now, in my naivete, I thought that it wasn't that routinely physical. And maybe there was a little chauvinism to it that I would expect that the guys would be, you know, pushing and shoving and committing hard fouls and stuff a little bit more frequently. But these gals, I, I tell you what, if I were in one of their positions, I probably would have been one walking bruise of black and blue, you know, after just one half, you know, with the uh, exertion and the contact that's involved in that game. Also, I remember seeing something, uh, an interesting statistic that um, uh, a statistic about uh, whether it be uh, men or women competing on this level, that the average soccer player is running 
nine to ten miles during the course of a match and consider how often that that is just going full speed trying to catch up to a ball or to defend against the other team there is an enormous amount of physical fitness that's involved there with the uh, uh with with that level of soccer so congratulations to our american team uh it's a lot of work behind the scenes and uh we're we're very proud of what they've accomplished another listener question that has come to us uh, how do we bring sportsmanship to a higher level? How can we be Christian toward the opposing team? Now, we can apply this to a lot of different levels because there are all sorts of people who are in an amateur setting. Let's say you're playing City League softball once a week or you know men's rec basketball, volleyball, various things like that. Or let's say you have children, elementary or high school age children who are in athletics. Uh, how do we bring sportsmanship to a higher level? Well, for one thing, keep focused on the action on the field rather than uh, accusations of an individual. Um, if we can prevent ourselves from crossing that line, you know where uh, you know uh, that you know that that uh, that play was offside or that sort of thing, rather than to say, you know, what's your problem, ref? Can't you you know can't you see what's going on? Various those things, various things like that. I think also from chapter 7 of the Gospel of Matthew, the golden rule is also very applicable. Uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the law and the prophets. If we are wondering whether our actions are uh, improper, obnoxious, offensive, let's put ourselves in the shoes of the recipient. How would we feel if we were receiving that sort of fee that sort of feedback from somebody? Would it be something that was all in good fun, or would it be something that was um, what was insulting and demeaning? Um, and then you know various kinds of stunts and and things that a um, a crowd that spectators would do. Uh, people have to be careful. I remember um, years ago I was at a basketball game where certain members of a student body of a school, and I'll just go ahead and say it, it was a Catholic high school. Um, during the first time that the opponents were shooting free throws, a whole bunch of the kids took out large pieces of newspaper and held them up as if to be reading them as a way of saying, oh, this is so uninteresting. You know, there's no way this kid's going to make his free throws, so we're just going to read the paper, that sort of thing. I tell you what, I have never heard venom from people the way I did from uh, those in the stands beside me saying, Father, they're Catholic students. It's a Catholic school. How can you, uh, you know, abide by that? Or saying things like, you know, doesn't this hurt the uh, annual appeal when you see you know, students acting like this. So unfortunately, nobody is immune from this, and it can happen both in a public and in a Catholic school setting. So when it comes to those sorts of crass uh, actions of ridicule, um, you know, we've got to put that aside. We can't dive into those things and get caught up in them. Um, let's be, you know, very creative and positive with regard to ourselves. Maybe the team you're cheering for is struggling and is hardly going to win any games all year. That doesn't mean that we are doing things that are crude to tear the other team down. It means that sportsmanship is to build up uh, one another. So that's, I guess, what I would have to say about that. You know, be invested in the lives of the children, but parents please realize that sports and extracurricular activities 
are just one piece of the puzzle and are not things that are meant to dominate everything else. So we're relying on you to tell your coaches that you as a family have priorities that cannot be violated. The celebration of Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation, um, a, a correct proportion of time when it comes to uh, getting chores done at home, uh, doing homework, various things like that. Uh, the more that you acquiesce, the more problems we are going to be facing in general as a culture. And I'm not just speaking on the, per, on the perspective of a priest in the parish, in terms of somebody who is, um, you know, hoping to facilitate successful youth programs or other sorts of things like that, or to build up his faith community. I'm talking about the people themselves. So we are really relying on you to be able to keep up that standard, too. So thanks for bringing that question to us as well as we look at some of these events. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention, coming up later this week, and I alluded to this briefly earlier on, um, St. Louis and Zeli uh, Martin uh, are a newly canonized couple, the parents of St. Therese of Lisieux, and canonized together as husband and wife. It's a, a powerful uh, recourse that we have for their intercession. So let's remember them on their memorial tomorrow. And we have a call coming in from uh, Susie in Gillette. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Oh, thank you. Here's my question. Uh, I brought a St. Benedict medal to one of our associate pastors and asked for the St. Benedict blessing, and he didn't know where to find it. Ah, yes, indeed. Um, well, what's happened in recent years is that the uh, Book of Blessings has become a primary resource for priests and deacons to bless religious articles. But the problem with the Book of Blessings is that it's become rather generalized and vague. And so what happens is that we've lost touch with some of these beautiful uh, prayers and blessings. And so I would say that the most effective way to find that would be to do a um, do an online search uh, blessing of St. Benedict medal and you can find various different texts that correspond to that and uh, it, it's uh, it, it's uh, a great gift to be able to do that um, it, I don't want to fault anyone in particular for not having that available it's just one of the um, unfortunate trends I think that we've seen at least in the church in the United States recently where some of these um, uh, older um, uh, traditional blessings have not been available. But if you were to do a search on the internet or have the parish office do a search of that uh, blessing of the St. Benedict Medal, um, there would be ample um, English translations available that they could provide and, and then use. So that's what I would recommend that you do. Okay, so thank that's you. great information. Yes, thank yes, you. indeed. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling, Susie, and thank you for listening. We just have a couple of minutes left in our Straight Talk segment, 877-795-0122. And um, one more thing that I want to mention as a uh, prayer request. There are a lot of... Um, concerning things that are happening in mainland China and in some of the uh, neighboring areas, the islands of, Hi of uh, Hong Kong and Taiwan. Um, there are uh, lots of people who are being abducted, being held without anything that we would consider due process, uh, being made to disappear. Um, there is an ethnic group of uh, Sunni Muslims 
from the uh, western portion of what is now China called the Uyghurs, U I G H U R S. It's presumed that perhaps a million of them are being detained in what are called re-education camps. Uh, that in itself is a pretty scary phrase. Um, there have been some very widely publicized protests among hundreds of thousands of people in Hong Kong, uh, a unique situation, uh, a territory that had been given over to Chinese governance um, from the British, I would say about 20 or 25 years ago, somewhere in that neighborhood. And there is a definite stamp of those Western values of um, representative democracy within that culture. And mainland China really doesn't have a, uh, a respect or a cultivation of those same sorts of things. And so people in Hong Kong are, are alarmed about the possibility of officials uh, abducting them or members of their family and uh, taking them, extraditing them to mainland China for crimes, whether real or contrived, and not really having any recourse in terms of what they're going to do about those things. Um, so that's a, a concern that a lot of people have. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters in Hong Kong uh, and for the many Christians who are having to live a very clandestine sort of life that uh, their uh, dignity and uh, an opportunity to religious liberty may continue to be upheld for them. So thank you for very much for joining us in our Straight Talk segment today. Uh, thanks for uh, those who called in with their questions. Rem remember that this segment is on at 9.30 Central Time every Monday through Friday. Coming up, we'll have the joy of sharing who was chosen during Honor Our Fathers, and we'll, we'll speak with Bishop Robert Gruse on his final thoughts before he begins a new assignment, and we will also have our 10-minute tour. All of that and more coming up next hour here on Real Presence Live. Please stay with us. <laughs> 